Welcome to the Buy Box Bandits Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Buy Box Bandits Podcast. Today, we have a repeat guest, the most popular Buy Box Bandits in all of Buy Box Bandits. <laughs> the title of the episode last year was Meet the $6 million OA and Wholesale Seller. Now, we've since just about doubled that. Welcome back, everyone. Dan from 1,000 ASINs. Thanks Thank you, guys. Again. Yeah. Again. Happy to be here. Yeah, for sure, man. So you kind of want to walk us through just a little bit of backstory. We obviously did a lot of that uh, in last year's episode as well. But yeah, I'll condense it, but I'll, you know, go through the the more recent history here. So, um, so yeah, I started selling on Amazon, uh, I think, four or five years ago now. Um, started like any beginner, just um, um, on a really small scale, doing some arbitrage, and then um, was able to grow the business, basically double it every year for four or five years in a row now. Um, so, you know, I started, you know, with a 100K sales year the first year, then then went to a million, then went to almost 4 million, then went to 6 million. And then I'm happy to say in 2022, we closed the year out at um, nearly 12 million. So if you, if you factor in uh, eBay and Walmart, probably above 12 million in wholesale and some other little things. But, um, but yeah, so it's, I over doubled um, my sales for last year. And um, yeah, I, I had a $10 million goal and I, I blew past that. And this year uh, for 2023, my goal is 18 million, um, which, um, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to just keep doubling forever. So I want to be ambitious but also realistic with what i can achieve especially uh we're going to get into this later but i'm starting multiple other businesses so um so if i can achieve that type of growth still with um really only working part-time on my main business um i'd be thrilled with that so um so that's the goal um i guess i've cemented myself as i don't know about a large seller but definitely a medium one anyway medium medium to large so um so yeah, that's uh that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so let's let's kind of hang out there for a minute. You obviously we talk about doubling and and scaling your business. What does that actually mean though to scale at that pace with that aggression for years and years on end, right? From last year to this year, you grew from six to twelve. What is actually involved in that? It's just more spending, opening up more accounts. Let's dive into that. Yeah, sure. So um, I believe um, to grow at a rapid pace in Amazon, um, it, it comes down to mindset first and foremost, which is when you make money in this business, it's not so you can go withdraw it from, from your bank account and spend it on stupid shit. Um, it's so you can then use that additional money to buy more inventory. Um, so that's been the mentality from the get-go. Um, any profit, it's, it's not even, I don't consider it profit. I consider it an opportunity to spend more on, on inventory and get the business um, pumping to a level where someday I will be able to withdraw profit and the machine keeps running. So my, my goal from, from day one has always been, let's get this storefront massive to, you know, $50 million a year in sales at a, you know, 15, 20% margin. So, you know, the business is, netting almost a million dollars a month something like that and then at that point i can take take out you know hundred or two thousand a month for personal use and um live that lifestyle but until then um you know all the money coming all, all the profit is 
is literally just to buy more. So, so that's, I would say to, to achieve rapid growth, especially as you get bigger and bigger, that has to be the mentality. Um, I, I feel like two people fall into two buckets with um, finances. It's like, I have money and now I, now I'm able to spend it on stuff. Um, and then the other mentality is I have money. Now I have the opportunity to have my money, make more money for me. Um, and if you train yourself to get into the latter mentality, you're going to be successful financially. I think that habit or that mindset with money um, is the difference between always being broke and, you know, going to the moon. So, um, and then, and that, so yes, I'll keep going. Are you, are you? Yeah. And then on the more practical side of things um, beyond mindset, it's um, yeah. To achieve more sales, it's literally just more accounts, more products, um, more replenishing and getting, you know, the personnel to be able to handle all that. So, um, you know, it, it might mean more prep employees if, um, you know, there are more thousands of units coming in on a day-to-day basis. Um, I got to the point where I couldn't even um, buy everything I wanted to buy, even going almost full-time, just buying and generating POs left and right. Um, so I actually hired a buyer to, you know, do a account re- outreach for new accounts, but B also, um, you know, have a certain number of accounts under his control where he's responsible for restocking those and making sure the company is in stock at all times. Um, and I think that's how the mega sellers do it. They, they don't even call them buyers. They call them like account managers for brands. And, you know, they, they might even split it up by category. It's like an automotive category expert. And they, you know, they're the ones responsible for restocking that category. And then there's a health and household or a beauty expert. And everyone has, you know, the accounts, every account is under an account manager where there's a responsibility to restock that product. So, um, so looking to the future, I'm thinking, you know, multiple buyers, every account that we have open, there's someone responsible for restocking it. And I step away from buying entirely. And, you know, um, so yeah, sorry, <laughs> a bit of a tangent. But, oh, uh, no, yeah, no. That. And so, yeah. so tactically, how do you differentiate between shooting for call it 18 million next year or 16 or 14? Right. How did you arrive to that 18? And, and like, what's the messaging relayed to your team in terms of any sort of different different actions that need to take place this year as opposed to last year to get to that in 18. Yeah, well, that's the crazy part about it. And the, the beauty of this business is like nothing really has to change tactically um, in, in this complicated manner. You know, it's like um, I think what attracts all of us to Amazon is how scalable it is just repeating the same process. <clears throat> Once you figure out how to source profitable inventory for one product, there's no difference in sourcing it for a million products. Um, so tactically, there, there's no like new strategy that we're doing that's different this year versus last. It's it's literally just, um, you know, keeping the money in the business. So it, it's, it's largely a function of like how much money we have to spend. Um, we're still in the position where we probably can, well, definitely can spend more on inventory than we have money for. Um, and we kind of prioritize what we spend money on in, ter- in terms of ROI. So we have some high ticket stuff that that flies and it makes a good gross profit per unit, but the ROI is only, you know, 20% or 15%. Um, that would be like last on the list for us to buy. And then we have some cheaper items, you know, you buy them for two bucks and you make two bucks and that's a hundred percent ROI. So we kind of go down the list and prioritize in terms of ROI. 
And then we only get halfway down the list before we run out of money. And there's some things we would like to buy, but can't buy. So um, a lot of the growth is just simply a function of leaving more the profit in and then being able to buy more stuff every month. So it's really, truly just more of the same. Um, I may hire a second buyer to, um, to just handle the accounts I'm restocking right now so I can fully step away. Um, I'm going to hire uh, or keep training my VA who's been a good admin and to do more and more and more stuff. Um, so uh, I step away from that. And then I may hire um, a multi-channel expert. My catalog at this point is um, to the point where I could probably do a few million on Walmart and eBay. Um, so, you know, I pay an employee 50 grand a year or something to just cross list every single product I have um, on other channels. And then I'd probably, the business would net probably four or five times what he costs. So that's, that's another part of the growth. And then lastly, the other hire I'm thinking about is um, either virtual or in-house employee that is looking for seasonal products full-time using, you know, Keepa and some other methods we have. Um, I, I think seasonal is a, a nice, less tapped frontier where the margins can really go crazy. Um, so I want to be stocking seasonal products year round. There's a season for everything. A lot of people equate seasonal with Q4, but that's just not true. Um, there's a season for January right now. A lot of people with New Year's resolutions are buying supplements, fitness stuff, running shoes. February, there's Valentine's Day, March, there's St. Patrick's Day, uh, April, there's Easter stuff, um, you know, you name it, every month there's something. So um, so that's that's part of the strategy to um, not only perpetuate growth, but also to achieve margins that aren't really possible in the evergreen products. Uh, yeah, it's funny, so I was good. in Aldi's the other day, and you know how they have like their seasonal aisle in the very front? It was all decked out in fitness stuff. I was like, uh-oh, yeah, yeah. people are getting <laughs> taken advantage of. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I always like, it for the banter, like Garrett will be like talking about like a sports game or something. Like holidays are such an excuse for big companies to make money. Like, like people absolutely. Awesome. bro yeah, they're just cashing in i mean we're a bunch of sheep you know all of us yeah. <laughs> uh you know valentine's day was literally made up by a company uh i think it was like hallmark they're just like let's just uh make all the guys out there feel guilty if they uh don't do enough for their girl every valentine's day is the worst yeah. like you're celebrating <laughs> yeah. it by giving a giving a company the ton of money and uh and stuff and then yeah. as you've grown the past couple of years specifically like really getting beyond is it hard to find people to talk to about this stuff or do you kind of have the same crew you've been with since the beginning that you've all kind of grown simultaneously together yeah yeah it's a lot of the same people um and um yeah it's, if anything it's just been easier to to talk to people um you know it's i guess the learnings are fewer and far between like because I just know so much at this point. So, um, but I mean, I still get value in the in the craziest of places. You know, even a beginner sometimes will just say something that will make me think about something, some new way or new workflow or, you know. Um, so no matter how big I get, I'm just, you know, a regular guy and you, you got to stay humble and like take uh, it always be wanting to learn from anyone, whether it's like a brand new seller um, or, you know, the biggest seller in the world. Um, so I, I talk to small sellers, big sellers, you know, whoever. Um, and I just want to be a bro basically. So 
<laughs> I feel, do you share the warehouse with the guys up there? Cause you had that picture where it was like you and like the four other guys and I followed all of them, but I never yeah, really yeah. had context on like whether the warehouse is shared or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like last time I'll turn the camera around. For oh a second. yeah. <laughs> yeah so so it's a little bit more full um, this time, but let's see. So this is my side of the warehouse. We got my buyer in the corner there. Um, so I get, <laughs> he's waving. Um, I get about, uh, this is about 5,000 feet. So this is my side of the warehouse. And then we got the other side here, which is like starts from this pallet rack. And then that's uh, Jeff and his buyer. So we're in 10,000 feet. We have, we're technically in two separate suites, but we told the landlord, like, don't build a wall. We're just going to, you know, go half and half. Yeah. Um, and that's my friend, Jeff, um, who's Amazon authority. He's been really off, um, Instagram, uh, altogether, but he's, you know, he's going to start being more active on social media, but I, I'm absolutely, uh, lucky and blessed to be able to do this with a good friend. He's got another storefront about the same size. He did over 10 million last year. Um, and we're childhood friends. Like we grew up in the same town and, you know, we lived in different states and then we, we started talking about Amazon. We kind of jumped, he jumped in about a year behind me and he's kind of just like been on my coattails or tails, like the whole time. Like, you know, we, we, we buy a lot of the same products. Uh, we're starting to like diverge a little bit um, in terms of what we carry. We don't want to be like total carbon copies of each other, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's been awesome to do that with a friend. So that's, yeah. So so I got my friend on, you know, the other 5,000 feet. Um, and then the other two guys, um, um, one's a guy at, at, that I actually met in the gym. Like, uh, he's like, Hey man, are you a thousand Asins? Like in the locker room? I'm like, yeah, man, I am. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's insane. And, uh, we actually became great friends and we, we work out together like four times a week. Um, guys in ridiculous shape. So he's like my fitness role model, you know? So and then he uh, he sells shoes, um, does like some shoe wholesaling type stuff. And then he entered the Amazon world. And now he's, you know, selling on Amazon, doing great. He's pushing six figures a month. He's a young guy. He's only, you know, 23. Um, and yeah, so now I've got like a little community of Amazon seller friends right here, which is like absolutely invaluable. Um, it, yeah. Like the community is awesome. Like I consider... I mean, there's just so much camaraderie when you're a fellow Amazon seller, like all the trials and tribulations and uh, the excitement around it. So, you know, I, I yeah, I, I think my my future friends, you know, are going to be a lot of them are going to be Amazon sellers all around the country and, you know, meet up and do cool shit and, you know. Yeah, it's always funny. Miles and I laugh because obviously those are this entire country of Amazon sellers, but it just so happened that Miles and I are living like 30 minutes from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. And Danny and I went to high school and, uh, and all that. I'm still working on getting the follow back from Amazon authority, but he'd be a good guest. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll get on his case. Work. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he's new to the Instagram space. He doesn't know who's who. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll make sure he follows you back. Yeah, get, get that hooked <laughs> up. And, uh, yeah, hundred percent and such. So tell us a little bit about the acquisition you made with the warehouse space. Yeah. So, um, so the, the, the whole reason I did that, I, uh, I was utilizing a prep center for my remaining OA products. I was sending probably 10,000 units a month to New Hampshire and uh, where we live here and on the North shore of Boston, it happens to be only like 45 minutes from New Hampshire, even less 30 minutes, maybe. Um, and 
I was like, man, I I'm just wasting a lot of money in prep fees. There's all these like, you know, tiny little boxes of stuff, extremely easy to prep, extremely fast to prep. And I'm just like giving this company, you know, six, seven grand a month to prep my stuff. Um, I was like, man, I should just get a little facility, send it all there, prep it and ship it out and just save the money. And then I was thinking like, I could probably just do this for other people too. You know, I've got like the process down um, and I'm developing, you know, a, a small following on Instagram enough to probably get a bunch of customers. Um, yeah. So there's just a lot of like efficiencies there that, that I really, and then, and then my friend Jeff too, he's also doing, you know, 10,000 units a month arbitrage. I'm like that alone would like, you know, that's a business right there. Just like put a p- couple people up there, train them and just have them handle even our prep. Like just the, just my friends handling my friend's prep would be a business. So, um, and then that combined with uh, me selling a property that I own in New Jersey, I did this thing called the 1031 exchange where um you don't have to pay any capital gains tax. So I sold the property for like 200K more than I bought it for. And normally you'd have to pay tax on that game. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, so if you parlay that money into another property within six months, you don't have to pay the taxes. So it's a strategy a lot of people use with real estate to basically defer tax forever. So you like trade up into bigger and bigger properties and you never have to pay tax as long as you take that equity you've built and put it into something bigger. So, so I sold the property cause I was moving to Massachusetts anyway. So I had a few hundred grand and I'm like, I want to, I want to just keep, uh, you know, keep this in real estate. So I was like, and I was looking for warehouses for lease initially in New Hampshire. I'm like, yeah, let me just get a little spot and start a prep center. But, um, I found that there are some warehouses for sale that I thought were better value. So I started looking around, just toying with the idea of stuff for sale. Um, and I found this warehouse for like one and a half million. And um, it was big, like 16,000 feet. Like kind of, yeah, yeah. Like way more space than I even need um, right now. But I figured I could like sublease part of the space at first or like just grow into it over time. So I just um, made kind of an impulsive decision. I'm just like, this feels right. And, um, you know, I looked at it and I just, um, completed my, you know, 1031 exchange, bought the building. And, um, I just kind of dove in without even like really thinking it through that much. And now all of a sudden, like I'm spending most of my time just trying to get this prep center up. Um, but I just like the idea of diversification, like from my suspension years ago, I still have like PTSD. It's like, what if this all like falls, falls down overnight. Now I have like employees and you know, people who rely on me and a lot more overhead. So I'm trying to like diversify a little and protect myself. Um, so I viewed it as that as well. Um, so, um, so that's the story. Yeah. So I own that warehouse, uh, hefty mortgage payment. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to break even honestly between that and a, a few employees and the setup costs, like, you know, I probably won't even make money on it for like a year, but I'm thinking long-term with all this stuff. So, um, did you do so now you know the next question for oh, the BBB listener oh. is the prep center is the B, is the prep center open when's it going to be open are you onboarding what's your plan yeah for yeah so I'm I, I'm just starting to onboard um, I've got I've spent the last couple of months training a couple of employees they know the software they they get it now uh, which is a huge burden off of me so now I have some people I can trust up there even though I'm up there personally four times a week um, but Given that, I can now take on some more customers. We're actually plowing through the stuff we have. Um, there was a backlog for a while. Now they're like hungry. They're just like, give me more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And uh, 
they're prepping at a rapid pace. Um, so yeah, we actually are in need of more product. Uh, we're ahead of the game. Um, so as a result, I am opening to new customers and the way that works um, for OA, um, I'm not looking for beginner, beginner customers. Um, no offense to anyone out there, but uh, who's a who's a beginner, but I just need some people who know uh, what's going on already and doing a minimum of 500 units a month. Um, otherwise, it just doesn't make sense to, you know, receive a couple boxes and then you know, by the time you open them out, uh, figure out what's what, there's like one unit of this, one of that, I'll, you know, um, just sending it out, it causes the prep center to lose money. The only way a prep center makes money is like the efficiencies of like, you know, yeah. getting cases of stuff or a lot of units. Um, so, so I am open to OA customers or wholesale or private label. Uh, minimum is 500 units a month though. If you can meet that, um, then um I'd love to hear from you and I can drop the details at the end or you guys can post about it later or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, I, I have different prep rates. So like most prep centers, you'll do, you know, 500 or less units a month. It'll be one rate, you know, which will be more expensive. Obviously, if you're starting to do more volume, 500 to, you know, 2000 units a month, all the rates are, you know, a quarter or less. And then let's say you're doing 5,000 plus units a month. Um, then the rates go like bottom of the barrel, you know, like as cheap as possible, 60, 70, 80 cents a unit, uh, uh, stuff like that. So, so yeah, I'm definitely um, looking for more customers now. And um, yeah, that's really the only requirement, just, uh, you know, 500 units a month. And um, yeah, I'm ready to go. So. And you said, that, is the warehouse in New Hampshire or is it in Massachusetts? Yeah, it's in New Hampshire. So I, I intentionally chose New Hampshire uh, because yeah. it's a sales tax free state. So um, I had that in mind. Um, that's obviously essential for online arbitrage sellers using a prep center. You, of course, want to go with a sales tax free state. You ultimately save money. Um, it's really one of those rare win win wins. The only the only one losing is the state, which is trying to collect sales tax. But I'm OK if they lose. Um, you know, I don't feel too bad for the states collecting sales tax. Um, so, for instance, I mean, I know a lot of people probably know this, but just as an example of how a prep center can save you money and time, um, let's say you're buying, you know, $50 items and you're in a, a state that charges six or 7% sales tax, you're looking at like three, $4 of sales tax per item if you ship it to your home state. Or you could utilize a prep center in a tax free state, you send it there, then the prep center will charge you, let's say, a dollar unit to prep it. Um, so you saved $2, essentially, you saved the $3 in sales tax and paid the prep center a dollar. So you saved $2 uh, over sending it to yourself. And then just as importantly, you've saved the time in having to receive the box, open it up, inspect the item, label the item, create the shipment, send it out. Um, so you're saving both money and time. So for OA sellers, I would absolutely recommend you utilizing a tax, uh, tax-free prep center. Uh, so yeah, and New Hampshire is one of those four states that's tax free. Are you licensing out any sort of prep software? Are you just using Google Sheets for now? Yeah, right now um, I'm going to be using Airtable, which is really just like a Google Sheets on steroids. It just has some additional features. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I'm just going to start with that. Eventually I'll get a whole like warehouse management system when I do more storage and stuff. Um, but right now, 99% of the stuff, it comes in, it goes out. Um, I have one private label client sending me a container and then I'm gonna have to like track like when it got 
into the warehouse and what pallet positions are on and I need to invoice him monthly for storage, like per pallet per month. So like that type of stuff, software is um, good for, but um, right now I just um, have my own systems and um, I'll probably need software eventually. Maybe I'll create some and license it out right now. I'm just um, going the old fashioned way, <laughs> you know, Yeah. spreadsheets. And so starting to transition on to your latest endeavor of 2022-23 is, is private label. And you actually took the the interesting route of, of just broadcasting your product and kind of what you were thinking. It's <laughs> just and... nuts on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, do you want to obviously plug the product? And secondly, tell us how that started, what the product is, what your plan for it is. Yeah, yeah. So um, so <laughs> this is actually like what not to do, really. Like I, we, we didn't do it really too seriously, but um, so we found this uh, wholesale supplier and uh, they actually had viable wholesale products. They made this drink litter and we could uh, buy it and resell it for a profit. We, we dug into the keeper though, uh, as you advocate all the time, looking at like buy box statistics. And we noticed that the brand was really dominating the buy box. They were getting like 99% buy box. So we talked to, talk to them about that, voiced our concerns. Like we don't want to buy this wholesale if um, it looks like you're going to take all the buy box. Uh, they're like, yeah, you'll probably have to run ads to even get any buy box. And like, we're re really looking for people, excuse me, that just want to add value to our brands, like on top of what's already happening. We don't want sellers that just leech onto our existing sales. That's a very common thing you'll hear from a lot of brands that you contact. Um, so we're like, all right, let's just uh, forget about that. And then they're like, oh, well, we do, we do also private label. And like this, uh, this niche is like, growing fast and products are really popular. Like we have a private label program that's really pretty low cost. Uh, it starts at like a thousand or $2,000 or whatever. So um, I know my buyer and my friend's buyer wanted to learn the private label game as well as me. Uh, so we collectively decided um, why don't we just give this a shot and like just try and, you know, low stakes private label from a domestic manufacturer and like to see it, see what, see what the process is like. And um so we, you know, we ordered a few hundred units of a few colors and then we went on Fiverr, got a, got to design a logo. And then I have like a hundred UPCs already from my other private label stuff. Um, so we just slapped on a few UPCs, threw up the listings and that was really it. And um, we don't have great imagery yet. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of tried it like low stakes and we put it on Amazon and it was just dead. Like it's, the space is already kind of crowded. So we, we didn't hit the first page. We had like nothing going and we, me and my buyers were just uh, joking around and uh, we're just like, why don't I just like promote this on Instagram, get it like kickstarted a little bit. I was like, I bet I could get, you know, 30, 40 sales anyway, um, just from the Amazon community helping out. So that's what I did. I just like, like, I, I've never seen anyone do this, which is surprising, never. but like, never. you know, <laughs> so, there's, yes. There's like the meme of like the guy crying, like, I don't tell anyone what products I sell. And then Dan with the, the, the wizard hood, like, here's the right. product. Go buy. <laughs> like, well, did it work? Right. Did, it, did it actually gain traction? It did work. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is it did work. Uh, I got like, you know, 30, 40 organic sales and then people dropped some five-star reviews and that got it to probably the bottom of the first page for some big keywords. Um, now, the, and now we're getting organic sales off it, not a ton, but we're, you know, and uh, we're running PPC and the conversion rates are actually decent. 
So um, now we're going to invest in like a really quality set of photos for it and see if we can propel it a little further. Um, so it was, it was really just like a learning project more than anything. Like we didn't even do it that seriously. Um, <laughs> but um, it's kind of forcing us all, all to learn about like how to rank a product, how to like stuff it with the right keywords, run, run PPC. So like I want um, myself and like all the, you know, front office employees to know, know that stuff and learn it. So, so that's the story behind that. Um, yeah, what what yeah. can the BBB army search so we can pump it a little more? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. What, 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 what's your search? Yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, so uh, the product is called Glitterous, um, which is also <laughs> basically a joke name, but pretty funny. So it's edible drink glitter. Um, you you mix it into your drinks. They look they actually look really cool, um, and it has absolutely no taste or texture or, or whatever. A um, few different colors. You can also decorate food with it. Um, I wouldn't recommend kids playing with it on a table because it's not like that glitter that's easy to clean up like it'll probably get all over stuff so you, really you want to just put it on food or drinks or on your body but um but not like you know don't give it to a kid it'll be a mess um but maybe give a kid like a, a drink already with the glitter already mixed in but uh so so the word glitter and then o-u-s glitterous we have three go colors. 89k in sales rank i'm looking at it right now Let's yeah exactly go. so we're, we, we gotta get that sub 50k boys sub yeah 50K. yeah it, it was around 50k in grocery for like a couple weeks there and now it's falling off maybe a little bit but um it but dropped yeah, we're at 28,000 in grocery. Yeah, yeah. So that was after that video i did so like <laughs> there's there's something that's a little unconventional that private label private label they never talked about but like yeah if you have a big following why not promote your own shit you know um and uh you can kind of like kickstart some products that way um i know people don't want to give away their storefronts or whatever um, but if you have like a different storefront just for that private label brand it doesn't really matter um so um yeah so uh yeah any any um purchases and positive feedback would very be very much appreciated i'm always down to return the favor uh anyone else has a product i can support just hit me up and i'll uh i'll try it out so absolutely yeah. and are you still doing the oa too yeah i i mean we talked i don't know what it was like a year ago probably but those same product lines those same two or three things that i arbitrage like still just plugging away at those you know every month every month pumping lambo money into dan's fucking pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's freaking crazy. Speaking of Lambos, I'm actually seriously considering uh, getting the uh, Lambo Urus, um, you know, the SUV one. Um, oh, KT just got that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and <laughs> I messaged him in Miami. I, I asked him if I can rent it for him. I was like, is this your primary vehicle or a secondary? He's like, oh, this is my second. I was like, I'll pay you two grand to rent it for four days. Come on. So I think I'm going to rent it from him in Miami. Do like a proper, proper test drive. See if I want it. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I, I've I've always been of the opinion a car should never be like a big percentage of your income. Obviously, like if you if you're netting 10k a month, the stupidest thing in the world would be to spend 3k a month on a Lambo plus insurance plus gas and repairs. Like that's a pretty much guaranteed way to stay broke. But um, you know, if it's if you're netting 100 and it's two or 3k, you know, we're talking two three percent. So I'd say. You know, there's such a random like sports car culture in the Amazon world. I don't know why. Like that's it. Sports cars are not the pinnacle of success. Honestly, you drive them for like a month and then it's just like a liability. And you're like, why did I do this? This is just stupid. How much I'm paying every month. 
you know um but you know if if it's a small percentage you know you can have some toys but wait until it's then to, to get the sports car and continuing on the on the um the car industry you got into uh Turo, right yeah i thought about it um we we got 99 of the way there and then like i'm just like i'm spread too damn thin like i don't want to deal with like I don't want to deal with all the headaches of Turo. I do think it's a, a viable business model. There are a lot of um, people renting out their exotics for like, you know, $600,000 a night. And it's a great way to pay for those exotics. Um, but I did Turo back in the day uh, with my Audi A3, like five or six years ago. And um, I rented it probably 20 times. And like five of those times are major problems. Like someone uh, returned it with a flat tire once. Uh, another time it was just reeked of cigarettes another time the back windshield was smashed in um another the worst one was um i had a call from the police and they're like uh your car's been impounded in like the newark police station i'm like are you kidding me and uh they're like yeah we found the driver on the side of the road like passed out he apparently he had like done heroin or something like and i had to go with the kid's mom and drive to the police station because they needed like his mom's signature to whatever release the kid so (laughs) that was the icing on the cake i'm like i'm done with this and and turo paid for it all like through insurance but like that's downtime with the car it's just so many headaches so like i'd say for turo like do it as a full-on business or or not at all like if you do it as like a little side hustle it's probably going to be more trouble than it's worth especially if if you're getting into the nicer cars you know so Um, did you have that car do you still have that car or did you sell it um which car you had like I oh, saw the A3? some uh, convertible, like some. Oh yeah, the yeah the the Porsche 911 Carrera 4, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's um so that's like a 2000. I bought that for like 24k. Incredibly fun car to drive, six speed manual. Um, obviously driving on a hot summer day, it's like it's just the pinnacle. Um, so I have that. Yeah, I I have that in my warehouse. I'm probably just gonna sell that and upgrade into like a newer model. Um, I've been watching this uh, course, Exotic Car Hacks, which is like you buy sports cars at the ideal spot of the depreciation curve. So like, it's basically like most sports cars will, their value will be chopped by like a third or a half after like four or five years of depreciation. And then they kind of like level out. So like, um, if you buy like a 2017, 2018 sports car right now, you can buy it, drive it, break even, sell it for like what you bought it for if you get the right buys and um so that's what i'm gonna do i'm like i i just love a good deal no matter how much money i end up having in life i still am like a bargain hunter love good value love a good deal um i'm sure a lot of people that sell on amazon are the same way uh, yeah so i just don't want to overpay for anything like you know buy a brand new car and it loses 50k value like even if it doesn't matter i still want to like you know get the best deal on stuff same goes for watches. Like there are ways to buy like used Rolexes and actually like wear them for a year, resell them for a profit. So like fun little hobbies like that, you know. And that's some of the uh, stuff Danny gets into buying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of the plan for for the vehicles. Like you know, have nice shit, but um, but be smart about it and buy it at the right time, the right models at the right time. Exotic Car X actually has a service for only two grand. Um. And they will find you like the guy who made the course will like source the car for you and negotiate hard, like harder than you probably would. And like point out all like the little things, little defects or whatever that aren't really defects, but he'll get it down like more like to a price that you probably wouldn't have been able to just with his expertise. And then like 
you know you have like a good model that's going to like really hold the value or possibly even increase he knows all the, like the supply and demand dynamics of the car market you know stuff like that so so i'll have the exotics i guess um and uh but but it's going to be you know the smart way so and then as we start to wrap up here getting back to amazon New yeah. Year's is New Year resolutions for the seller that's looking to get into wholesale this January, February, looking to kind of shift their business model towards that direction. What's the uh, what's their game plan? Yeah, game plan is um, compile a list of, uh, you know, wholesale uh, brands and distributors um, as you go using, you know, the storefront stocking method and also Google searching, going to trade shows, um, just, you know, wherever you can, even looking at trucks on the side of the road, writing down the name of the truck, just, just be a sponge, absorb like any possible wholesale lead whatsoever and pursue that lead. Um, and then the other thing I'd say is, um, you know, prepare yourself to have a decent pitch. Um, and that, that what's involved with that is like, Creating a little website, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy, just like a landing page that shows, hey, I'm a real business, um, a business email address, um, even making some like nice uh, pitch materials. It could be something like a, a PDF or like there's this uh, website called Canva, which it allows you to uh, make really nice looking designs very easily. Um, you know, a little like one page or thing that you attach to an email um, just makes you look professional instead of a guy in the basement with a Gmail address. Um, so I'd say like a like hone your pitch, um, B um, compile a list, and then C like pound the pavement and just make the calls get better. Uh, just brush off any sort of rejection. Um, it's not a big deal, especially as you you know your first like 10, 20 calls are probably the hardest. Like you're so nervous, but um, you know once you get through that, it's um it's smooth sailing from there. So yeah, that's that's what I'd say uh, would be the beginner wholesale blueprint. Yeah, man, I'm I'm still I brought it up in yesterday's episode. I've I've never seen someone cold call 500 brands of distributors and not get an account. The only people who say it's hard have never done that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it's still juicy out there. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunity. Um, and if you're a beginner, like, don't expect to call like. Um, you know, Clinique and be like, and have them be like, oh yeah, sure. We'll uh, open a wholesale for you. You, ha you have to have some common sense as well. It's like, you can't just call Nike and be like, we want wholesale Nike. You know, you gotta be, pick your spots here. Like same, same would go with like a big supplement company. Like don't go for the stuff that's like top thousand in a category. Like, the, yeah, like you're probably going to get a hundred out of a hundred no's in that. But you got to go for like the, you know, the second tier or third tier of products that are in like the 20K rank all the way up to a couple hundred thousand. Um, and the higher the rank, the smaller the brand, the more likely you are to succeed. So like start with maybe the smaller, small to medium sized brands uh, and have some common sense like over, you know, who you think would probably open you up. And you see like one offer or two offers and it's like the stuff is flying. Yeah, they probably have an exclusive you know, but if you see 10 offers, like, yeah, they're probably open in the past. So. Yeah. And are you mainly brands or distributors? Um, mostly brands. Um, and I'm trying, we're cracking into more and more distributors now. We have like a few grocery distributors um, that we're working with. Um, the numbers just aren't quite as good, but um, we're just hoping after repeat orders and getting the volume up and up and up that the margins will start being competitive with the brands we carry. 
Um, both are viable, both are good, uh, both have their pros and cons. Um, you wouldn't be making a mistake pursuing one or the other. So I'd say go for both. Do you see the value in, in a newer wholesale seller trying to stay local? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we've, we've formed one great relationship with this um, beverage distributor in our state. And um, it's sweet because um, they don't have to charge shipping. Um, so I was in another state, a lot of these distributors will charge shipping under a certain amount, or it's just like the shipping alone can kill the margins. Um, so these guys already deliver to like local uh, liquor stores and like stores in my area. So our warehouse happens to be on the route that they go anyway, so they can do free delivery. Um, so they just drop, they personally drop the stuff off at our warehouse and then um, they have us pay when the stuff is delivered. Cause like a representative of the company is literally driving the truck over here and we just cut them a check. And uh, so it's not really terms, but it's like better than paying up front and then they get the order ready when they ship it. You know, a lot of these suppliers, you'll have to wait three or four weeks, pay them wait three or four <laughs> weeks before it lands in the warehouse. But these guys, because they're local, they're willing to A, deliver it for free and B, uh, allow us to pay when it gets delivered. Uh, those two things combined are great. So, um, and, and they're just a tiny, tiny distributor, you know, definitely not a major player, but like, you know, they're like a family business um, and um, they get it. They're just like, we're, we're probably their biggest customer at this point, bigger than any like single store. And they're like, they're just marketing stuff up like, you know, 5%, 10%, like barely anything, but we're doing like six figures a month with them. So they're happy. We're happy. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think probably no matter what state you're in, there are probably a few distributors uh, that you could form relationships with, but you might be able to, you know, get free shipping and just form close relationships, you know, like go out to lunch with, with the, the rep there or something. And yeah, uh, that's, I'd say that's a good thread to pull for sure. Yeah, and so we'll be hanging out next month at the uh, Miami conference. You're going again, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, for anyone listening who's in the South Florida area or even considering making the trip, go to MiamiSellersConference.com. We're all going to be there speaking. We'll be there hanging out. Dan might have a Lambo. Um, a <laughs> I Lambo might have KT time. Hustles Lambo. <laughs> Yeah, but I'll pretend have, it's mine. So yeah, I'd have to do it in, in, in person, like an in person with like a couple other people would be a vibe. We get like five people on that. Be... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm actually staying at the hotel that it's at just pure coincidence, the confidant. So me and and you'll meet uh, my, my other seller friends, Jeff, Amazon Authority and um, and Jake, who's uh, Ecom JT on Instagram. And um, we're going to have the Lambo probably right in front of the hotel. We'll tell the valet, dude, like, just keep this out here. We'll, I'll take some people for a spin and uh, we can get some photos. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I follow, I follow you, JT. Oh, he's doing numbers too quick. Wow. Yeah. 200. Yeah. Yeah. The last year. That's fire. That's totally fire. Yeah. Cool. And what, uh, so I'm curious, just how do you think about the Instagram stuff? Cause I think you're a textbook example of how to do it the right way as someone not looking to make money from it, but just looking to meet people and stuff. You hop on flex on us like once a month with uh, the <laughs> seller app screenshot. Are you going on it every day or is it, or do you just hop on here and there? Um, I'm usually like lurking probably daily, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. Checking, you know, scrolling through the feed, um, but yeah, my, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to put out the amount of content you guys do. I mean, you guys are the kings at like consistent content, which uh, 
which I respect. You guys have earned, you know, your entire following. Um, and uh, I would love to actually do that. Um, it's just one of those things that's just like off in the distance. I'm like, I'll do that someday. Like I've even thought about hiring a social media manager, content manager, even a videographer to follow me around or whatever. And, you know, some really polished content. But for now, um, until then, I'm just going to be like a mediocre Instagram poster, like posting randomly, random things at random times. Um, but I'm glad I did just jump in um, because I've met a lot of people through Instagram that have actually uh, been game changers for my business that I never would have met otherwise uh, if I never started this Amazon Instagram account. So my primary objective right now is just networking. In the future, um, I may put out a course, uh, you know, covering more advanced topics um, um, or mentorship. But um, until then, uh, I'm just, you know, doing it the, the lazy way. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when you do it consistently, you like you already know probably 80, 90 percent of the people you'll ever need to know to do the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, purely from like just like another seller basis and like people like really just have no clue about like the random people who just dm you and stuff like ones you're just existing because so few people exist that it just all the all the opportunity all the networking just trickles up to me you garrett like those of us who yeah. show up you know here and there and there's a lot of like people that are super successful that never post but when mm -hmm. you post you position yourself to be in like someone's gonna want to meet another seller at some point or pay for something at some point and you just position yourself and it costs nothing to do. And so many guys listening are scared to do it because you've only used social media to know your high school friends and you should delete those <laughs> accounts for sure. You start <laughs> chopping up with us on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, and such because it's a really worthwhile thing to do that takes very little effort when it's just documenting and showing like what you're doing and everything. Definitely. And I mean, the event, like the Miami event, if you go to ASD, all those things help too, right? They don't require kind of, kind of ton of content. It's just you showing up. Yeah, that's a great, great thing too. Yeah, we'll be at ASD in August. Are you going to ASD in August? I might this year, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be everyone. Crazy. Going this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even, even if it's not even for business, you know, just like hanging out with a bunch of uh, sellers in Vegas. Yeah, like, yeah. that's like, just I, a good time. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. if I'll be doing wholesale by then, but I'm definitely right. like, we'll do like a he might, probably won't even show up to the conference. He's just here for the banter. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and such. Sweet. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. I think that was another great episode. We, we really appreciate it. And, uh, and everything. I think that was good. Where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, yeah. So um, you can follow me on a thousand ASIN. So the number 1000 and then a S I N S. Um, and ASIN is Amazon standard identification number. Um, people are confused by my screen name, but that's, uh, it's, yeah. Once uh, you're in the Amazon game, you kind of, you get it. But um, yeah, a thousand ASINs um, and uh, yeah, happy to, you know, help any sellers with, uh, you know, beginner questions or point them in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm an open book, so um, I'm trying to sell you anything. <laughs> We can probably get your uh, your private label in the description. Well, no. Here. Should we put the link for Amazon tracking, or or just tell people to search it? Um. Yeah, I can throw the link up. Okay. Here. So we uh, should. Okay. Cool. I'll send it to Lance. Wow. Put it in the sweet in the description. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you guys actually tomorrow for another episode too. So have a good one.